I want you to turn in your Hebrew hymn book to page 100. That means go to Psalms 100, the 100th Psalm. This book of Psalms, of course, in the Old Testament, they not only read these Psalms, but they sang most of these uh, as songs unto the Lord. Now, there are two types of songs. There are songs we call hymns that you sing to God. It magnifies the sovereignty of God, the greatness of God, and the glory of God. And then there are what we call spiritual songs. Most of the time, that is a song that gives a testimony of what God has done in your life. And I'm glad all through the book of Psalms, there are some hymns, psalms that glorify the greatness of God. Psalms like, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament his handiwork. Great is our Lord and greatly to be praised. How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of Most High. Songs that glorify God. Then there are some spiritual songs in the book of Psalms, psalms of testimony, what the Lord has done for us in our life. For instance, I was brought very low and he helped me. The Lord inclined unto me and heard my cry. He lifted me up also of a horrible pit out of miry clay and set my feet upon the rock. My feet had well nigh slipped. Just songs of testimony that glorify the Lord. Well, I believe that Psalm 100 is a blend of both a hymn and a spiritual song. It not only glorifies God for who he is, but it also thanks the Lord for what he's done. I've often said that Psalm 100 is how we ought to go to church. And I believe a lot of times we come into church, well, I want to say this, I don't. That's one thing God did give me victory over. But I believe a lot of times, a lot of people come into church just to have church. You're going to sit down in your seat and you're going to go through the motions. And you're going to get out of it about what you put in it. Nothing. Well, brother, we ought to come in an attitude of worship. Ought to come in an attitude of thanksgiving. And I believe Psalm 100 is a good example of how we ought to go to church. And how we enter into the presence of the Lord. And I'm a Baptist now, don't get me wrong. But I, I believe the Baptist people's messed up right here. I, I believe they've missed it right here. We're sitting around waiting on the Spirit to move. We're sitting around, boy, I hope it'll get on. Man, I hope something will happen. It never will with that kind of attitude. Brother, we come into building expecting something to happen. It's happening before we get in. We ought to go in with it already happening. It ought not to take seven songs and four points in a sermon to get us excited. We ought to walk in church in a three-point stance, ready to worship the Lord. Because this is the Lord's house, and He's worthy of our worship. And I believe Psalm 100 is the way we ought to go to church. I believe you ought to approach every service like this. Look in Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. And how many are like me? If you sing at all, 
It'll be a joyful noise. It may be a noise, but at least it's joyful. Say amen. Then he said, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. I believe that's how we ought to go to church. With singing and praise and adoration and gladness. Verse 3, know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Here it is now. Here's how we ought to go to church. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise and be what? Thankful unto him and do what? And bless his name. Why? For the Lord is good. Wow. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And I love this line. And his truth endureth to all generations. Now, three things in this text tonight. Number one, there is the praise. And I'm going to tell you something just as sure as faith is a Bible doctrine. Tithing a Bible doctrine. Salvation a Bible doctrine. Justification a Bible doctrine. Sanctification a Bible doctrine. The virgin birth a Bible doctrine. The sacrificial death of Christ a Bible doctrine. The bodily resurrection a Bible doctrine. The second coming of Jesus Christ a Bible doctrine. Heaven a Bible doctrine. Hell a Bible doctrine. The great white throne judgment a Bible doctrine. So is praise. This ain't something the church of God invented a hundred years ago. This ain't something the Baptist church has refused to do for the last 50 years in America. Brother, praise is a Bible doctrine. And I believe he is worthy of our praise. I understand that people express themselves in different manners. I, I, I want to use my Paul Nugent phrase here. Some people cry when they praise. Some people shout when they praise. And some people do nothing like most of y'all do nothing when we praise. And I understand everybody's not wired up the same. But I do believe every now and then it ought to be a smile. Maybe a little nod of the head. Maybe a little tear in the eye. You say, well, I don't believe we ought to get too emotional. Well, we'll do about everything else. And I can't believe, I, I can't believe there are religious institutions in America that are teaching our young people, don't get emotional, don't get emotional, don't get emotional. And what they don't understand 25 years from now, we're going to have a bunch of robots that go to church. Well, nobody worships God. But you listen to your preacher Praise honors God, and God honors praise. In fact, the Bible said that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. I was teaching through the tabernacle, and I was showing you how all the tribes were pitched around the tabernacle, and the tabernacle was in the middle. And the tribe right in the front door of the tabernacle was the tribe of Judah. That means praise. And you had to go through praise to get into the presence of God. 
And I believe we're waiting for God to send his presence and then we'll praise him. That's backwards. We don't wait for God to send his presence and we praise him. We praise him so God will send his presence. And I've never apologized for being an independent Baptist preacher that believes in praise, audible praise, fervent praise. And I believe he's worthy of it. Ever how you praise the Lord, he is worthy of your praise. And in the, of course, included in that praise is come before his presence with singing. And I love music. I love singing. And a lot of times I think we, we feel like God has given us the ministry of singing that we might bless one another. And that is true to a certain extent. But God originally initiated singing that we may sing to him, that we may glorify him, that we may give him the glory. That's why the Bible said in Ephesians 5, the spirit-filled life, speaking to yourselves and psalms and hymns and spiritual song, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. I've often told the choir, and I tell you special singers, sing to God and let us get in on it. Just say, well, I don't know if people appreciate it or not. God does. So just sing unto the Lord. And of course, in that praise is included thanksgiving. Enter into his courts with praise and be thankful unto him. I believe the first words ought to come from our mouth when we walk in churches. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And you say, well, Brother Joe, I don't know if I have anything to be thankful for. Have you lost your mind? God's been good to us. God's been exceeding abundantly above than good to us. And I'm thankful tonight. I'm thankful for my, my temporal things. I'm thankful for my food, aren't you? And the clothes on my back and the roof over my head. And I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my children, my grandchildren, my spouse. I'm thankful for my friends. I don't have to live alone in this life. I have a family and I've got friends. And I believe some of the saddest funerals I've ever preached were those who didn't have any family. Nobody was there. No friends were there. So I'm thankful for those temporal things, fleshly things, physical things. But most of all tonight, I'm thankful for my spiritual blessings. Well, I'm thankful for salvation. Full and free through the blood of Calvary. Didn't earn it, couldn't earn it. Didn't buy it, couldn't buy it. Didn't deserve it, never will deserve it. But I heard the gospel. God pricked my heart. And I put faith and trust in the power of the gospel. And I'm not going to hell. Man, I'm not going to hell. My sins have been forgiven. My past has been erased. I've been emancipated from the chains of sin. I'm thankful. I believe a lot of times we ought to just clear off a spot and start saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I heard Billy Kelly give this illustration. He had a burden one time. Boy, that burden was weighing him down. And he, he looked out in his backyard and saw an oak tree. 
And he said he just felt like if he could get to that oak tree and get on his knees, he could get a hold of God. And said, I got to that oak tree and I got on my knees to pray. And he said, my mind was blank. I couldn't think of a word to say. He said, then I remember what I heard my old pastor say when I was a little boy. When you get down to pray and you seem like you can't find the words, just start thanking God for something. He said, then I thought, well, right now I can't think of anything to thank God for. He was in a mess. He said, so I fulfilled a verse in the Bible. Watch and pray. I kept one eye closed and I opened the other eye. And I saw a little doodle bug crawling on the ground. And I said, Lord, thank you for that doodle bug. He said, I got to thanking God for spiders and bees and bugs, and trees and stars and clouds. And he said, it wasn't long till I got to salvation peace. And it wasn't long till I walked into the throne of grace. And you know, one of the signs of the sins of the last day in 2 Timothy 3 is the sin of ingratitude, unthankful. And notice what God put right beside of that, unthankful and unholy. It's an unholy thing tonight not to be thankful to the Lord. So there's praise. There's the praise we offer God in our singing, in our worship, in our thanksgiving. And then in this text, there is a people. There's a people who ought to praise the Lord. There's a people that ought to come before His presence with singing. There's a people that ought to enter into God's courts with praise. And He identifies them in the text. It says, we are His people and the sheep of His pasture. It is the Lord that has made us and not we ourselves. We are the people of God tonight. And if any ought to, if anybody ought to be praising God, it ought to be the people of God. We are His people, purchased by His blood, chosen in His grace, sanctified in His Spirit, written down in His book. I like what the Apostle Paul said before we got saved. We were not a people. We were nobody's headed nowhere, but now we are the people of God. A holy nation, a peculiar people. I belong to Jesus and Jesus belongs to me. And we are the sheep of his pasture. And I don't have any complaints tonight on the way he leads or feeds his sheep. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. And so we have a praise and we have a people. And then the last verse, number five, we have a purpose. Here's why God's people go to church with thanksgiving and singing and gladness and praise unto God. What more reason do you need tonight than verse number five? For the Lord is good. You know God's good tonight. And everything about God's good. His word is good. His salvation is good. His spirit is good. His power is good. His blood is good. His blessings is good. His name is good. His word is good. The Lord is good. Here's why we ought to praise you tonight. Here's a great purpose. His mercy is everlasting. You ever heard this? All good things must come to an end, not according to the mercy of God. 
And by the way, if you're like me, there's been a couple times I thought I wore out that mercy. But I found it fresh and new every day. His mercy is everlasting. I look back over my life and I see the mercy of God. I look around in the present world and I see the mercy of God. But brother, way out yonder where I've not been yet, and I don't know the next disease, I don't know the next valley, I don't know the next sin, I don't know the next failure, I don't know the next hard spot in life. But I do know this, I look back and I see the mercy of God and I look at my present and see the mercy of God and why should my future be any different? For the mercy of the Lord endureth forever. God will never run short on his mercy. And I want to say with the writer, it's of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. And I thank God for his mercy, the purpose. For the Lord is good, the purpose, and his mercy endureth forever. Here's a purpose to praise him tonight, the last part of verse number five. And his truth. You know, tonight we ought to just thank God that we've heard the truth. That we've been exposed to the truth. When you see somebody tonight that is caught up in a fake man-made idol religion. Or they're caught up in some cult that denies Christ and denies the Bible. It's easy to make fun of them. It's easy to make jokes about them. But had you not heard the truth. Had you not been exposed to the truth, you could be in that same religion as they are. Someone said, Brother Joe, why would a man bow down to a totem pole and make a God out of him? Because he's never heard the truth. Why would a man, Brother Joe, think he can live a good enough life to go to heaven without Jesus Christ? Because he's never heard the truth. Brother Joe, how can somebody worship a tree or worship the ocean or worship the star, worship an animal because they've never heard the truth? How can somebody just be what they call a panologist? They don't believe in nothing or they make a God out of anything they want to make it out of because they've never heard the truth. Tonight you are a born again, justified by faith, blood washed child of the living God because you heard the truth and you obeyed the truth and we're blessed tonight for God just to give us light. And I'm glad his truth endureth. I love what it says in verse 5. To all the generations. I got to thinking the other night about my family tree. How my grandma and my grandpa got saved in 1926 in Danville, Virginia, out of the back of Wirehouse under the preaching of a famous evangelist named Mordecai Helm. He's the same man that was preaching the night Billy Graham trusted Christ in the sawdust trails of North Carolina and got saved. And God saved my daddy. God saved my mama. And God saved me and God saved my children. And I'm a wanting God to save him grandbabies. You ever hear me shout one Sunday morning to the pine cones, fall off every pine tree in Georgia, one of them grand young uns coming to God. His truth endureth for all generations. Brother, our forefathers were set 
free by the truth of God. The generation before us was saved by the truth of God. And in the generations to come that we'll never meet, they'll go home by the way of the cross. I'm glad you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Thank God for the truth. We're not idol worshipers tonight because of the truth. We believe in a personal God, a personal redemption, and a personal experience of grace because of the truth. We would still be lost and undone, but God's truth came to you and I. And that's a purpose. That's a reason. That's why we praise Him tonight, because He's good, and His mercy endureth forever, and His truth reaches every generation. And I'm glad that our nation, well, I want to back up. I'm glad some people in our nation take one day, at least one day out of the year, they call it Thanksgiving, to thank the Lord for his blessings. But tonight I believe a Christian, a child of the living God, ought to have more than one day a year. We ought to have one time every day where we thank the Lord. For his goodness. I'm thankful tonight. How about you? I don't want to be like those lepers. Jesus cleansed all ten of those lepers. And as those ten lepers left the presence of the Lord cleansed. Nine of them went on their way. But one old boy came back. Bowed down at the feet of Jesus. And said I want to thank you. For making me clean. And Jesus said, I see the one that's thanking me, but where are the nine? I don't know about you tonight, but if only one's going to thank him, I want to be that one. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. And you realize tonight that every good and perfect gift we have comes because of what Christ did upon the cross. And tonight, I hope you young people understand the thing that separates Christianity, and all-time salvation from all the other religions in the world is not what we do for Christ. It's not what we do for God, but it's what Christ, through God, has done for us. Someone said, why do you Christians have a cross for a symbol? That speaks of pain. That speaks of suffering. That speaks of agony. It made a you. And it was at one time a cross of shame and pain and agony. But the reason why we march under the banner of the sign of the cross is we realize we're saved because of the cross. We know God because of the cross. And one day we're going to heaven because of the cross. In fact, that night in that upper room before Jesus went to the cross, he was preparing his disciples for what was about to take place. And as they sat down at that Lord's Supper table, and everything about it pictured the cross. That was just a chapter later. He said, when you come to my table, when you partake of this, you do it in remembrance of me. Remember what? Remember the price that he paid. Remember the blood that he shed. Because all of us tonight would be undone and lost forever. We're not for the cross. At the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light, the burden of my heart rolled away.
It was there by faith I received my sight. And now I am happy all the day. Paul, at the end of his life, wrote 13 books of the New Testament. If you believe he's the author of Hebrews, take that out as at least 12. Made three missionary journeys. The famous, most famous Christian outside of Christ himself. This is what he said. God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't glory in who we are and what we own and what we have or what we do. We glory in the cross. I want us to have a word of prayer tonight and our men are getting ready to serve the sacraments. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you.